freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Tell you what, it's a good thing I'm as good-natured, Brock, as I am. It's a good thing I roll with the punches as well as I do. True. Between passing yesterday, clat today, and the text line, with, as the 425 puts it, it's toxic masculinity taking shots at me continuously. It's a wonder I come in. Yeah, the old Salk would have just been punching at the air. I mean, 10 years ago, that right. Salk, oh my gosh. Yeah. It would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. You'd have fired back at Joel. Right. You'd have asked him about his career, his <laughs> six-interception game. I mean, you would have just tried to throw mud right back at him. Not anymore. No. No, not anymore. No, I just sort of take you know, it I think just... maybe you do anything that makes people excited when no. they have a chance to well, take shots at you? I don't think okay. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve 206 gets it. Poor Salky. Thank you. Maybe just take the rest of the day off. Go home. Play with the pup. I'd love to. Unfortunately, she's home hacking up a lung. So I, I can only spend so much time with her right now because she's got this cough. So. You know who else kind of gave you the business was uh, Scott Service when you didn't know the record of the Mariners. Yeah, that so was he, fair. I mean, so, I, I just got a little tripped up on that one. <laughs> Has he ever given me the... Remember when I told him that I had heard from somebody else that maybe he wasn't the type of guy to have a beer with and he got oh, mad at me about oh, it? it? Was like, What do you yes. mean? I'm like, well, I didn't say that myself. I was telling you that, like, I disagreed with that person. And he's like, was that supposed to me? I was like, Dude, yes. would you relax? That's not what I'm saying. Anyway, let me talk about him for a minute. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the little. Uh, You're welcome. The little uh, segue. The assist nudge. there. Mm-hmm. If the Mariners don't do anything else between now and, you know, the start of spring training, which is likely. How would you handle it if you were Scott? Like, what does that first meeting look like? How would you address everything that went on at the end of last year in a group setting? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, regardless of what else they've done, I don't know whether they lived up to some of the comments that were made from players on the team. I think they might be better, right, than they were a year ago. But if some of that was, hey, we need more help and we need this and that, they didn't go out there and they didn't participate really in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. They didn't trade for Juan Soto. They didn't even really make a run at it. Mm -hmm. They haven't signed any of the big name free agents, although obviously Mitch Garver's a good player and I'm excited about it. And they've made some good moves. Mm -hmm. Do you have to address this? And then even beyond that, you know, we sort of talked about at the end of last year, like, Hey, what about the guys that were acquired? How do you make them feel like they're a part of this thing and not like the dude who ended up being, you know, traded yep. for your buddy Paul Seawald? Yep. Like, how do you handle all that? If I think Scott? it's a much easier task for Scott than it is for management. I think for a John Stanton, when he comes down to spring training and he's around, right, in the ownership but group. But I don't know and, that it matters to, to an owner. They're just like, yeah, all right, whatever. The guys don't like me. I guess. I guess. But I think for a Scott, I think it's going to be that much easier mantra of find a way. And we're going to find a way. And if Mitch Hanniger was a big deal for Jerry, and Jerry kind of even hinted at that when he joined us a couple weeks ago or mm-hmm. whenever that was, that, yeah, man, he's, he's an important one for me because he wanted to be here. Right. He wanted to come back. When we kind of reached out and made this deal, we took the temperature, and, you know, he's one of those guys, and we see the value of that with the other team in town, right? When Bobby Wagner goes away, when guys go away and they come back, it's like, hey, hey, boys, grass ain't always greener, man. 
And Cal, I know that you've been in this organization forever and you want a little bit more, but the grass isn't always greener. And in mm -hmm. fact, go around and look at baseball this offseason. And there's a pretty easy case to be made. It, it wasn't as if, you know, 5, 10, 15 teams are out there lavishly spending. No, it's like two. No, they're, they're staying at the Hampton Inn. Right. Right. There's not, there's not been a four seasons off season. In fact, there's still some big dogs out there waiting to get their room and get their invite in a Snell and a Bellinger. And, and who knows when that money comes and what the market ultimately is going to do. So it's, I, I think it is a much easier sell. And Mitch, honestly, is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I think you let him. You you know if you're Scott you don't leverage it you don't play it you don't manufacture it you just let Mitch be Mitch. Would you just put it out there though? I think you I think you would. I mean, do you just have sort of an open conversation in public about well, hey let's clear the air on okay, how so, the last season ended? And so here's the biggest clearing of the air, and it was and it was different, and it was much more speaking of that word toxic. But way back when I was with the Colts and we lost in the playoffs to the Jets and mm -hmm. it was not a great year. We were like nine and seven oh, and got blown out up just there. Just a liquored up kicker. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Mike Vanderjack goes back up to Canada, eh? Right. And he's up on a, can a Canadian radio station, eh? And he talks about Peyton Manning. And I don't know if he's the leader and I don't know if he can win the big game and, you know, da 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 da. And then what does Peyton do at the Pro Bowl with Lynn Swan on the sidelines? Uh, <laughs> I mean, unloads unloads about this liquor duck. Here right. I am. Here I am, Lynn. I'm at the Pro Bowl with the greatest players in the world, and we're talking about a liquored up kicker who gets drunk and runs his mouth, right? Whoo! So then fast forward, I don't know, six, seven weeks back in the day when we started offseason in March, and guess what Tony Dungy did at the first team meeting? First team meeting back. Force Mike Vanderjack to recreate the opening scene in leaving Las Vegas? Hey, Mike, hey, Peyton, why don't you two guys come up here? And they addressed it. And uh, both of them apologized. And, my, and, and Vanderjack said, obviously, I was an idiot. I was drunk, said yeah. stuff that I felt bad about. Peyton apologized, said, I took it too far. It turns out Mike's not even uh, a guy that drinks. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I'll take, Did, I'll take uh, that back. And, do you and, think that Tony talked to those guys ahead of time? Yes. So they knew that was kind of, he didn't put them on the spot. Oh, absolutely. Because that, that, that to me is part of this. If I'm Scott, and I, I think he's, I do think he's in a little bit of a tough spot. I think Cal is in a tough spot as well after mm -hmm. what he said. And I'm kind of curious to see how he handles that now. He kind of went quiet on it for the rest of the offseason, which makes sense. It's exactly what I would have done if I were him. But how does he address that with his teammates? There's a monkey in the room, right? So I, if I'm Scott, I think I'm going to Cal and JP and a couple of those guys. Yeah, maybe Mitch Hanniger and saying, mm -hmm. hey, how would you guys like to handle this? Let's let's kind of work through this together. Give them yep. some ownership of it as they are growing leaders on this team. But I don't think you can ignore it. I, I don't think don't you can you just think move on as that? if nothing happens. See, we we get down there in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Shannon's going to get down there the end of next week. The pitchers and catchers are officially going to be reporting six in six days. But don't you think that a lot of those? I, I know this for a fact. They're already down there. Those guys make their home around I know, there. but not everybody. The whole not, team isn't there together. Not everybody, but you don't think that Cal's bumped into and had conversations with Rojas I, he and may Canzone have. He and may hanging have. out and golfing. And, but and, but if I'm, if I'm uh, Luis Castillo and I'm just coming off, what is he, isn't he the fishing guy? He loves to go fishing, right? And I'm just coming back after being essentially gone fishing the entire offseason. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know that they've spoken. I don't know that they've worked it out. I don't know that some of that's I'm like, I yeah. do think that there is an element of, hey, if we're going to be a team and, and some of the chemistry here has been the key to the success for the last couple of years, like, you know, it's funny, gotta man. Be a conversation. Yeah. You know what is funny? And, and obviously, Cal, at the end of the year, that was a really big deal and talked about for a while afterwards. You know, who I kind of got my eye on, honestly, is we're thinking back to so many of these storylines from last year and conversations and a guy that's kind of feisty and a guy that just at times would – George Kirby's going to be an interesting mm-hmm. one to follow. Man. Absolutely. Because what he said and what he did yes. and all of that stuff at the end of the year, like I'll be very curious just from a maturation standpoint of a young player in George who's highly competitive. I think he probably spent some time this offseason figuring out what is going to be the best way for me mm-hmm. to present myself to my teammates, to lead my teammates. If Julio is the one to take the step in leadership and position players do because they play 160 games mm-hmm. and a pitcher is never in that kind of pole position of leadership, that guy is one that I will be very curious. Because they did not bring in veteran pitchers. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, they moved on from the two veteran pitchers yes, they, they had yes, in Robbie Ray and, and Marco Gonzalez. So yes. I, that's a really good point. So Brock. here's a little runway for you, Logan yeah. and George. And Logan seems to handle it A1, A-plus all the time. George, a little feisty, you know, a, a little sensitive, a little angry, a little competitive, a little, you know, an independent contractor-ish. How we fit into all of that, he will be one, honestly, that uh, I think I'm going to enjoy watching his steps and his in his. Growth. Did I say the monkey in the room? I think I meant the elephant in the room. Yeah. That may have been what I meant. Your rough morning yeah, continues. what is going on? That's the red elephant club. Red elephant club. Yeah, it's kind of got the monkeys in my head. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. You were so kind to me when I made a couple of mistakes recently, yeah. so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be there for I you. showed up to work, though. The same grace. I mean, let's be clear. I, nice at least, I did at least show up to work. <laughs> I showed up to work and killed my son. I mean, I'm literally here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All that extra sleep was really helpful, though. That's what are you going to do? I am uh, here. Like, I showed up to work. He brought you coffee today. Was yeah. No yeah, he did. And yeah. what's that about? I, I, I just you know said what? That's fine. I won't make that another. I was going to be here for you, and you started is, attacking me. This is what I get, man. This is what I get. I, I, I bring yep. more coffee, uh-huh. and what do I get? Yep. This. I get, I get shots fired, like, it's immediately afterwards. All right. Uh, I was telling you I was going to be here for you. Whatever, Mora. Whatever. Uh, whatever. It's fine. Need to know just, next. Just the monkey in the room. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I swear to God, I'm going to go to war with the text machine by the time this day is done. Maybe we'll get an offensive coordinator by then, too. Ryan Grubb seems like he's not going to be the guy here in Seattle. He told the... uh, was it the Monkey Club or the Elephant? Oh, the Elephant Club. I seem to be getting my red elephant. my animals confused. The Red Elephant Club down there in Birmingham. That uh, Tuscaloosa. Same thing. That he's going to be there. Uh, it's Tuscaloosa, really? Is that where they are? Yeah. It's not Birmingham. No, that'd be UAB. <laughs> and Auburn's down on the plains, right outside of Opelika. Is that guy, I, Auburn, is that guy Iman there? Is he part of the Red Elephant Club? I man. Uh huh. Iman. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, so if it's not Ryan Grubb. And now it's not going to be Brian Johnson, who's a name that had been sort of out there a little bit. He's going to the Commanders. Right. And we haven't heard a what whole lot of What was that, Tanner Ogstrand or some hockey name? What yeah, was I don't know name? about that guy from Detroit. We haven't heard, you know, uh-huh. Bubkiss from him since day one. Doesn't it kind of feel like it's going to be Chip? I like Joel Klatt. He joined us uh, last hour, and he absolutely pummeled Salk. I mean, he just went for it. Like Apollo Creed and Rocky One. He was just, just tattering the face and taking shots. <laughs> 
But he's absolutely right. You want to go back, and, and I know social media yesterday, and a lot of people in the whole you know the station was talking about it yesterday, Bump and Stacy and Wyman and Bob, and a whole bunch of folks were responding in a very negative way. To Chip? Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was, what has he done? Where has he had success other than Oregon when they were you know, ahead of the curve? You know, Look at his record in Philly. Look at his record in San Fran. Look at his record at UCLA. Has he been pretty good at UCLA? He's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. But the one thing he's done really good is run the football. Like 240 yards a game. Like if you want to run the football and you want creative run and you want to find a way to use your personnel and you can ask Zach Charbonnet, who had back-to-back 1,200-yard seasons for Chip, Mm -hmm. the guy knows how to develop a run game, which I think would be one of his bigger selling points. Yeah, I'd be pretty intrigued by that. It sounds like the last guy had his problems. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, at the Super Bowl Radio Row talking to Chicago Bears podcast was asked about Shane Waldron, and his answer is... uh, Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to to, uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, This is is live? (laughs) We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Uh, Good luck to y'all. I mean, he's he's a great person, great offensive coordinator. I was very lucky to have him. It doesn't feel like you feel you were very lucky to have him. He didn't even finish saying great offensive coordinator. Great offensive coordinator. I can't even get all the way through that. Um, He's a great person. He's a good person. I have said a few times that I think that the coordinator thing is a big reason why Pete's not here. I think this speaks to it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I always, I liked Shane Waldron for various reasons, but I do think that he always felt like a compromise pick and that he was never really the guy that Pete wanted. And if there had been a different offensive coordinator here, if there had been a Mike McDonald here as a defensive coordinator, I don't think that Pete would be in the situation he's in right now. I'm trying to think. Maybe the text toy can help me out here. 8669-793776. I'm trying to think of a great play caller coordinator that did not have a tremendous presence. It's Sean McVay, a Kyle Shanahan. They do it in their own way, but you know it, right? Like there is just a shoulders back, chest out. Like I know what I'm doing. I am in total command, total control. Obviously, Mike Martz for many of the years, mm-hmm. greatest show on turf. Like you can go through Lincoln Riley. is very, very confident in what he's doing. I never felt that. And I think that's what Jackson's talking about. Ryan Day, very, very confident in what he's doing, putting his plans together. Shane just never really had that presentation. And for that, I think Jackson said, great person, not great core. Here's the second thing you need to know. Talking Mariners uh, today, uh, Jackson's brother, uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, signed with the Mariners after being released out of Pittsburgh. So that'll be kind of cool. We'll get a chance to see him down in Peoria, in addition to some of their other young prospects who got major league invites like Harry Ford and Cole Young. I want to get my eyes on Cole Young. He uh, is a second baseman, really, probably more than anything else. Could he come up and play some third base if you needed him to later this mm-hmm. year? Maybe. Probably not right away, but after the All-Star break, August. Um, could he come up and play second if you needed to move Polanco over to third or if Polanco has another injury issue? Yeah, I, I think we could end up seeing that at some point, not early this year. And then Ryan Bliss is another name who we may need to get to mm-hmm. know, Brock, as, as he was one of the guys they acquired near the end of last season. Man, you really did not get much late, man. For real, for real. What did I do wrong? I don't bury the lead. Who broke the news yesterday of, of Jackson's brother for crying out loud? 
write it down on your notes. You're, you like to type My stuff. My notes already say Birmingham on them, Brock. <laughs> I, these notes are essentially meaningless. Go G- to the next thing. G. Scott breaking the news. I'm the not giving him be any in the credit house. for this. Forget it. Push. Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, Jed Fish. Oh, hold on. I love when I got you in this spot. You get me every once in a while. I'll be in that same spot you're in every once in a while. I'll be worn down. Yeah. I'll be broken down. And then you'll look over to Moore and Justin like, can you believe what, this, what he just said? What this buffoon is coming out of his mouth. So I love it when right there you pause like, oh, no, what did I do now? What did I, what did I screw did up? Did I call now? Cole Young like Mighty Joe Young? Like, what did I do? How, how did this go awry for me? Jed Fish was on display yesterday. No, Jed Fish is using these poor these poor coaches for their parents. I feel bad for these guys. What are, what do you call 70-year-olds? Something uh... boomers? Septagenarians? There you go. Yeah. Yes. He's using the septagenarians. He's, he's using these guys. I would expect that we uh, we'll have two of the four members of the Mount Rushmore walking around our building very often. And I think when you can get that done, that's an incredible opportunity for the kids. On, on top of that, I've been fortunate to coach in the NFL myself for 14 years. Uh, running back coach, played in the NFL uh, for seven years. I like what he's doing. He's basically saying, look, we might not be able to offer you as much money, but we're going to give you a way to get to the NFL and make even more money there. And I think it's a pretty good argument. You think calling up the ghost of George Washington and Abe Lincoln, like which two of the four of Rushmore are going to be there? Mm. Teddy, who, who's it going to be? Who, who's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's everything you need to know. I mean, he didn't clarify. I'm just really curious which two. Yeah, you know, the Mount Rushmore of coaches, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and two other guys. <laughs> what? What? I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, yeah, the text toy is just just absolutely brutal today, Brock. It's like yeah. it's just a nonstop I am just getting absolutely no, it's destroyed. That, it's a good thing that the hitman doesn't take shots at you. I mean, Brady doesn't like to well, do that. Well, some of this is unfair. Like, I, I think people get one idea, and then they exaggerate it into things that aren't true. This says right. Salk sends but wine back at restaurants for tasting like vinegar routinely, guaranteed. I am not like that. I am incredibly nice to people at restaurants. One time. We were in Vegas, and my friend Woulda took like he tasted the wine yeah. and was like, "Yep, that's good." And they poured the wine for all four of us, and then we all drank it. We looked at each other like, "Woulda." He's like, "I know it tastes terrible, but I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> tell them." Like, dude, that's literally the job. <laughs> that's why they pour you a sip just in case there's something wrong with it. Right, I mean, as someone who worked or... at a restaurant, if you have another complaint, you might just be being picky. But if it tastes like vinegar, it's turned. Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, you, like, you should like send that it back. Is, Yes. And it's so, fine to send so a wine that tastes So my, my three friends all look at me and they're like, you're the one to do Salk, it. Salk, you're going to have to do this. You're like, the one to do it. Why do I have to do this? Well, you're, you're because you one. are. That's your makeup. But I don't do that normally. I'm I'm, not, I'm nothing like that. I, I can't believe the bad rap that I get. Salk, you're the one to do you. it. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of you. Sure. Right. You've, you've, you've painted me into this hey, corner. Don't point your finger at me, gotta, man. Be a thumb guy. Huh? I'm on the ropes right now, Brock. Uh-huh. You got them on the ropes. You, can, you have a choice. You can either pick them. them. You can either pick them up and be the good teammate. Yeah. Yes. Or you can take your hands off the wheel uh-huh. and just let him drive. I'm not going to be a ditch. thumb guy on this. I'm being unfairly <laughs> scapegoated. I think that's very clear. All I know is. Uh- Salk is super nice to people at Culver's because he's so happy there. Yeah. When that, I can't remember who helped us last year. You called her by her first name. Yes. You were so excited. I know. It was I'm like, Debbie, like thank that. you. 
Mora. I am like that at restaurants. I, I love people that serve at restaurants. I try to be the nicest person ever because I don't want to have to do that job. It seems yeah, I'm awful. supporting you. I know. Thank you. That's very nice. I feel, I feel, you feel confused. I feel seen, but also, yeah, a little confused. <laughs> Brady will join us next. We got to talk Gino with him. Brady wrote a great piece on uh, redrafting this past year's draft, which uh, kind of was a little disturbing to read. So stick around. We'll ask him about that and a whole bunch more coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, Brady Henderson going to join us in a moment. Sports Star of the Year awards are coming up. Brock, 89th version here, the Sports Star of the Year. It's a long time. February 15th, KJ Wright is hosting this year. Our buddy, KJ, who will be back with us on Wednesday. And uh, Seattle Sports will be there as well. Celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. Get tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. So, yeah, just to uh, kind of kind of uh, run through some of the things to expect here. Um, Brady's going to join us in a minute. Shannon Dreher at 930. Tomorrow, Kurt Warner? I believe so. Yeah, okay. Kurt we, we is calling Kurt the Warner. game on Westwood with uh, cool. Mr. Harlan and uh, said, yep, uh, got a little media tour today okay. on Radio Row, but going to try to carve out some time for us tomorrow. So we'll Kurt Warner tomorrow. G will be in. G says he's got huge news to tell us about tomorrow. I know what it is. This isn't the Canaan news? No, there's a personal thing going on with him, and uh, it is, it'll is. it be interesting to see how he <laughs> talks through this. So that, that'll be tomorrow at 830. Mm-hmm. Monday at 930, we will have Coach Mike McDonald. On the show, which I'm really excited about and, you know, kind of anxious to get to know him a little bit. Uh, his first interview that he did with Bump and Stacy was really good. They crushed that. Do and you have a fancy hoodie to go with a sport coat? I've been Do you- I don't really have a fancy one, but I will look for, you know, some sort of a hoodie. I have that white one that I wear sometimes. You think that works? Uh, Can I go white hoodie under a sport coat? Not really. Okay, well, I got to come up with something else. You wore then. a hoodie that was like a sweater the other day. That's perfect. You want me to wear that one? Comment. It's kind of thick, though. Like, no, I, you can't do that either. It's too no, thick. That, that that's too thick. Like it's you're, too thick. You're cracking. No, you can't do that. If your I wear, one armpit will sweat too much. No, I literally no. don't think that the uh, jacket, jacket will get no. over no. the heavy it hoodie. Looks like a thin sweater. It's yeah. not. No, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's you got to go with no. like you know something paper thin. Mm-hmm. I got. I think I have an option that I could okay. maybe go with. But let me uh, let me work on that a little bit. Hi Brady, how are you? Hi Michael. Hi Brock. How's it going? Hi Brady. Do you go? Do you go hoodie sport coat? Is that a look that you're when you're going clubbing and you're picking up chicks <laughs> and stuff? Do you do that? First of all, how dare you? Um, I don't go clubbing, nor do I do the other thing that you mentioned. Wow. So I, when I sometimes have TV hits, yeah, I will do the uh, the hoodie and the sport coat. So I was I was pleasantly surprised to see Mike uh, McDonald rock that look at his introductory. You press noticed conference. it though, yeah. right? We talked to some people like, oh, I didn't even notice. Like, what? You didn't notice? You noticed that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's something that you notice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a good one too. It was he, he he did it right. It wasn't you can't just throw any old hooded sweatshirt down there. No. You can't you know throw a UW logo hooded sweatshirt like a nope. band logo down there. It's got to be a a nice you know sort of dress hoodie underneath the sport. Did coat. he just say how dare you? Did he yeah. just give me he's a how steal, dare he's you? Stealing my lines now too. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I heard Salk's had a rough morning, so I had to kind of uh, give him And I told there. him he could either pile on right. or be nice to you. I yeah, warned him, right. and he said he was going to be yeah. nice to well, you. That's and nice. You just Pretty soon, Brady's going to come on here, and he's going to be like, oh, we're just waiting on Pete. And uh, 
Dwayne on Mike McDonald. Yeah, I can't wait for that. He's going to steal all my lines. Yes. All right, we got a whole bunch of things to, uh, to chat with you about. So let's uh, let's dig into this. Um, we'll start with the offense coordinator, but I definitely want to get to Gino. I want to get to the uh, last year's draft, which I you wrote about uh, this week. It was really interesting. But let's start with kind of where you're at offensive coordinator wise. We talked about how Ryan Grubb may be uh, essentially saying that he's going to be in Alabama. It sounds like Mike Kafka's a non-starter. This Mike Johnson dude just is going to go to Washington and be with the commanders. Brian Johnson, excuse me. And so, like, is it Chip Kelly? Is that what's left? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I heard the comment or I saw the tweet uh, from the Alabama reporter about Ryan Grubb. I mean, does that seem to you like a definitive statement that he's not, that, he, that he's no longer in the Hey, 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 hey. Don't lie to the Red Brady. Elephant Club. Hey, Brady, let me tell you a little something down there in Alabama now. Yeah. Okay, you don't go yeah. down in uh, Alabama and Tuscaloosa into the Red Elephant Club. And tell them that you're going to be the coordinator and walk out. You don't do that. Are they in Louisiana now? It a seems little bit like of they've, they've, well, they've moved to Louisiana <laughs> based on their accent. Brock, Brock, if he does end up taking a job and leaves, he's never going to see those people again. So what 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 difference does it make? Oh, my point is, look, it would not be the first time that a college coach said he's going to do one thing and then do another thing. And, and look, I think to you know, I think we also there's a danger also in making an assumption about. Uh, you know, Tanner Ingstrand and the fact that we haven't really heard much about his name since the first report came out about a week and a half ago that the Seahawks had requested an interview with him. I, I don't know where things stand with that, but what I, I have gotten the sense that the Seahawks have kind of preferred to keep a lot of this in-house and they haven't wanted a lot of this stuff out. Um, and I do know that there's more names than the ones that have gotten out, and I think partly because they've wanted to keep this – this stuff hush hush. So the fact that we haven't heard anything about Ingstram in a while, I don't, I don't necessarily take that as a sign that he's no longer in the mix. Just reading the room, he's a reading, winger for the Vancouver Canucks, right? Ingstram time in, the, in, in his off season, yes, <laughs> maybe. As you read, as you read the room, and you've been in that room now for a lot of a lot of years, a lot of press conferences, a lot of introductory press conferences, a lot of different coaches have come through. Kind of the new structure now with John really running the show. How much do you think this is John's decision? with the offensive coordinator and how much of this is Mike's decision? I think it's got to be mostly Mike McDonald's decision. Now is John Schneider there as a guy to help him out and to talk him through a lot of that stuff and maybe even to do some of the legwork. Again, I can, I continue to think that, you know, part of their motivation for bringing in all those guys uh, for interviews uh, for head coaching is a, yeah, they, they were definitely interested in those guys as head coaches, but I think they, that was also, had the benefit of, you know, maybe vetting those guys, maybe picking those guys' brains about mm-hmm. other people around the league. And so um, I think this is mostly McDonald's decision because he, he's got he's the coach. Um, but, you know, John Schneider has, you know, he, he is the head guy in that football operations department now. And so um, I would anticipate that he's got some say in it. Absolutely. Hey, since you, since you mentioned that, they didn't bring in a lot of offensive names, but, you know, the two – that, that we did hear about were Mike Kafka, who it sounds like just got a promotion in New York, so he's not going anywhere. And then uh, was it Frank Smith, right, from Miami, who didn't get a second look as the head coach? Could he be a possibility since he wasn't calling plays there? Could he be uh, uh, one of the guys that maybe they're talking to? Uh, it's possible. Now, I, I've heard I've heard uh, conflicting things on that rule specifically, that, that you know because Frank Smith is not the play caller, um, in Miami that 
coming to a play calling OC role would constitute a promotion that the other team would not uh, have the ability to block. I've heard some people in the NFL say that. In fact, I talked to a, a agent who represents coaches recently and he said that that's his understanding of the rule. I talked to somebody else who said that, no, that actually used to be the rule, but uh, that no longer is the case. Hmm. So I, I don't know exactly what that rule is, but I mean, there, there were more often, there were, you know, um, Ben Johnson obviously was an offensive guy that, uh, they talked to. I, I I do have a feeling that they actually talked to Brian Johnson as well, who just got a a different job with the Commanders. Now he got a non-coordinating role in Washington, so uh, that would seem to suggest that he wasn't really their guy if he was taking a lesser job elsewhere. And so, um, you know, there, there's other guys again. I I I really know that there are more names uh, in the mix or that they've at least shown interest in that have gone out. I think T. Martin is another guy that uh, I oh, think no. could be involved there. No, 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 and... no, 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 don't do that. Don't Why? Do that. Eh, What's wrong with that. T. Martin? Uh, uh, oh, because of Peyton. Well, no, 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 no. I've had a few different experiences. I, I That would be. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I, no I, I, don't, I don't know for a fact there. He's just a name that I've heard, and, and I've wondered just because of the connection there. He was obviously Baltimore's quarterback's coach and then their wide receiver's coach before that, and so – uh, but, but I mean, I just go back to Ingstram and, and when I heard Mike McDonald talk at his introductory press conference about, you know, what he's looking for in an offensive coordinator, he said, it's a guy who doesn't necessarily have to have NFL play calling experience, but a guy who is going to come in here and, and quote, build this thing. And so to me, Ingstram fits the profile of that, like a, a young guy, um, who would be willing to come in here and build something as opposed to an established guy who, you know, would want to bring in his own offense. And I think the other thing about Ingstrand is Ingstrand, I should say, is that remember they, they looked pretty hard at Ben Johnson. And again, I would be curious to know what that decision would have been like if Ben Johnson had not removed his name from consideration. And if he was truly available to them, but if you get Ingstrand, that sort of seems like the best of both worlds where you get the defensive whiz at head coach, and then you get, you know, a piece of, of, uh, <laughs> Ben Johnson's offensive mind by hiring you know, the passing game coordinator underneath him. So um, I, I don't have a ton of great insight on where it is and who their guy is. But I, again, I would say that I think there's more names involved than we know about. And I wouldn't discount Ingstrand or Grubb for that matter. Well, one thing you do know very well, he is the hit man, Brady Henderson, you know, the voice. One thing you do know very well, because you've studied a lot is Geno Smith's contract. And I'm just curious, do you feel like this decision with coordinator time is of the essence? Because what in eight days, they're going to have to have made a decision on Geno Smith and whether to, it's not an option, right? It, it was, it's just whether to continue Guaranteed. and toll his contract into next season. Is that a, a fair way to describe that? Yeah. So the decision really is, is if he's still on the roster on February 16th, then his $12.7 million base salary for next season becomes fully guaranteed. So that's not necessarily a decision uh, to, to keep him or to move on from him by that date. But, you know, that, that would sort of limit their options if he is still on the roster beyond that date. And so really, I think the, the trigger date is the 16th. So they really got to make that decision by the 15th. Uh, and, and back to your question, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that, you know, the, the offensive coordinator, they, they are going to want to get his, opinion on that and so on one hand you know basically every other team has filled its offensive coordinator position i think the the saints are the one team that has it but there's reports they're going to hire clint kubiak so really the seahawks are the one team left without one so in that respect you know they they do have the ability i think to take their time knowing that nobody else is going to come in and, and get their guy uh but you do have this 
something of a looming decision with Gino that, you know, you, you do want to have that guy in place so you can start to figure out that piece of it. And as, as I've, you know, dug into it, um, I actually dug into the con- dug into the contract a little more yesterday, and I think there's even one more option uh, than what we previously thought of. So the way I the, the way I look at it with Geno's contract is there's four main options, and this you know it's not to, this has nothing to do with what they do after that. Like does nothing to do with Drew Lock or drafting a quarterback. Just with Geno alone, I, I see four main options. Okay. One is that you just keep him and go status quo. You do nothing to the contract. You keep him and roll with him for at least one more year. Uh, two is that you cut him and you move on from him completely and you just go in a different direction. Go in a different direction. Three is that you cut him uh, and then try to sign him at a reduced rate. And we talked a little bit about that over the, uh, our text exchange yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one I think is pretty interesting, which is that you, you keep him past this February 16th uh, date and then you actually try to trade him sometime maybe in March um, and to try to get something in return for him. Now, just speaking to that option specifically, I don't think a whole lot of teams are going to be lining up to take on what remains in his contract, the two years, $47.5 million, uh, including $22.5 million next season. But as we learned from the Leonard Williams trade, and as we learned from a, you know, a bunch of other examples of trades uh, in the NFL, is there, there's ways to kind of do it, right? So one option there, I, I was thinking about this last night, is what if the Seahawks, kept him past this February 16th date, then kept him even past the March 18th date where his $9.6 million roster bonus becomes guaranteed, uh, and, and then they trade him after that. So they would be trading the $12.7 million. They would be eating the $9.6 million. And if that's the case, then a new team would potentially be trading for Geno Smith at, I think it's $12.9 million next season. There's also a $200,000 workout bonus in there. Mm-hmm. So you're trading for a, a starting quarterback for $12.9 million next season. Now the Seahawks are eating the $9.6 million roster bonus, but a team acquiring Geno Smith for, for next year at $12.9 million, then I think you could actually get something of value for him. Interesting. So... <sighs> hmm. All right, I'm trying to, trying to figure out what the next part of this is. So... What would you do? Uh, see, this is why it's a good thing that I'm the one analyzing these deals and not making them. Because uh, I right, don't let know. Me, I, I right, honestly, I'll, I'll let you off the hook, Brady. Let me let me let you off the hook. I'll ask you this question instead, because I quoted the word that you used in your article for ESPN.com and the little column that I wrote at at, at CLSports.com. You termed John Schneider's uh, uh, version of how Gino played this past year as tepid. What makes you say tepid, and what could that do to this process? Well, well, I asked him in the press conference, uh, you know, what he thought of Geno Smith's season, and the first thing he said was, "I think Geno had a good season." And, and look, I, like in fairness, I think maybe everything that John says in comparison to Pete is going to sound tepid, just because <laughs> Pete was, you know, his whole thing was puffery and, and exaggerated praise, and um, so by comparison, it, it definitely sounded you know, tepid, but I also think that that is a reflection of the fact that, as I wrote, and you mentioned in your column as well, like Pete Carroll, I think was Gino's biggest supporter in the building. And Pete Carroll also had final say in personnel decisions. So the fact that Pete's no longer there, the fact that Schneider is the one uh, in that seat now making these final calls, I just think that it it becomes a lot less uh, of a certainty that Gino Smith is is on the roster next season. And, And the other piece of that is, you know, if, if, 
if Pete was Zeno's biggest supporter in the building, I think John Schneider has been Drew Locke's biggest supporter in the building. And so I do think that that brings into play the possibility of moving on from Gino and then, you know, going cheaper with Locke and seeing what you've got in him. And, and look, I don't know if they would necessarily hand Drew Locke the keys. I think if they moved on from Gino um, and Locke was in the mix, I think he'd be in the mix. He'd have to compete for that job. But I could see them viewing that as, hey, you save money, both cash and cap space on Gino. You go with the younger guy who, in their eyes, has a ton of upside. Um, and maybe there wouldn't be that big of a drop-off. And, and again, maybe that upside means that he ends up being a better player. You know, I call this, Brady Henderson here with us, I call this a grand slam contract a couple different times. I think when it got done last year, Salk, and, and as we learned the details of it, and even over the course of this season, but, you know, one little wrinkle's come into place, and that is the last month that you have spent reorganizing your organization right? Finding a new head coach. You're still searching for an offensive coordinator. And this is where Gino and his agent, I think, did a brilliant job. Like, no, you don't have till March. You have five days after the Super Bowl to make a decision mm-hmm. on me, which, you know what, in normal terms, if Pete and John were aligned and, and had the last month to be discussing all of this, along with free agency, along with the draft, along with all of the other personnel decisions they've got to make, Brady, I mean, this feels like this is going to come in a hurry. And time is truly of the essence to to start to figure out your coordinator so you can figure out everything else. Right? You gotta know the draft. You gotta know JJ McCarthy. Yeah. You gotta know free agents. You gotta know your cap space. I mean, this is one big domino that's gonna hit here in eight days. Yeah, now now to the piece of the contract, I mean, this is pretty standard for them. Like th- this type of, of uh structure with the you know, so his his twelve point seven million dollar base salary at the time of signing was guaranteed for for uh injury. And, um, and well, how many other dudes do, are, there, are there any other dudes on the roster that have this kind of oh, timeline? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, m- most of the big veteran deals that they do have this same kind of structure. I think the reason you never really hear about it is because you're never really talking about cutting a guy after the first, you know, one year into his contract that typically doesn't come into play until later in the deal when, you know, these, these, parts of the contract are no mm-hmm. longer applicable so does, they're no longer there so does quandre or tyler or anybody else currently under contract have a ticking time bomb eight days from now well th- those guys I- i'm i'm sure i don't have the contracts in front of me but i'm sure in the second year of their current contract they yes. did have that but Got those it. guys are all further into the yep. contract now have you thought so- about uh, keeping a database in front of you when you do hits mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm uh, well, I've got Gino's contract pulled up. I just don't have all the all the other ones pulled up. But, but here, let, let me give you guys one more little tidbit, and, and this is why this is so. Um, I guess the, the lesson here is that football contracts, NFL contracts, are are so much more complicated than they are in any other sport. So here's one other idea. And I was talking to um, an agent, and then as well a guy, another guy on the agency side yesterday, just digging into this stuff. So from what I understand, Gino Smith's contract has what are called offsets in there, mm-hmm. meaning if if he gets cut that he signs with another team, the amount that he signs for could potentially reduce what the Seahawks would owe him, uh, you know, in terms of like what would be dead money. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's one other option here that we didn't talk about, which is, uh, or I guess it would be a, a part of, of one of those options is they actually wait until after this February 16th date to where his salary becomes guaranteed. And then they could cut him. Uh, and then, you know, based on whatever he signs for and based on the exact wording of the offset language, you know, they could what they owe him of that twelve point seven million part of that could potentially be reduced 
by what he gets from another team. Obviously, the, the gamble there is you don't know what his market is going to look like, and so you, you can't really bet on some yeah. other team taking a big chunk out of that 12.7, but the benefit there would be that you obviously buy yourself some more time. Yeah, it's crazy. And then you throw in the free agent market with Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield and a bunch of these guys. You throw in six possible top 40 QBs and how that affects the market. It is maddening, Brady. I mean, it really it really is. And, and the bottom line is 12.5 next week. And as you said, about a month later, that roster bonus of another $9 million. Is Geno Smith your guy for $22 million? Well, it doesn't – I mean, it's, is he John's guy? That I mean, that's the – of all the Is things, he Mike McDonald's guy? Yeah. Is he the new OC's guy? Is he your guy? Yeah, but but what if he's not your guy, but you're just not ready to deal with that problem yet? That's Correct. the other thing of like, yeah, he's not really my guy, but this sure isn't the offensive line I but want. But do I want to create another hole and right. another void in my roster, or do I want to just you know rely on a guy that's been good, as John said? He's been good. I, I think everybody would argue that. I think the numbers say that. Right. The dude has been good. Fascinating. Has he been great? Has he been elite? Is he twenty two point five million? Is that the going rate for a good NFL quarterback? I mean, it really, it really is a big, big decision that uh, I have a hunch. Just my speculation. I, I'm not asking you as an analyst to have an opinion, Brady, but just your gut. What, what do you think happens the end of next week? My gut tells me that they they roll with him and that they but they continue to explore options. And, and part yeah. of the reason I say that is look, twenty two point five million dollars. That 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 is in some respects a lot of money. Um, and it's you know money that they could use towards other parts of their roster. But if you just look at where that ranks in terms of quarterbacks and the cash that they are scheduled to make next season, I, I believe mm. right now it ranks 18th. And, and by the way, that's before you know Dak gets a new deal. That's before Tua uh, gets his first big contract. Uh, other quarterbacks are going to yep. get deals that yep. push him even further down into the 20s. And so yep. if you just look at it from that standpoint. You know, Geno Smith is one of the 20 best quarterbacks in the NFL, so you could easily justify the price, at least for one more year. Yep. Good stuff, Brady. Gosh, he's gotten good, hasn't he? Seriously. Like I mean, he, yeah, yeah. How, he gave me a how dare you when I asked about him picking up chicks. He did not like that from the jump. How and then dare, he yeah. just how and then he you. just brought knowledge for like 50 minutes. I think minutes. he was more upset about the suggestion that he was clubbing, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I think the chicks thing he didn't want to say out loud. Right. But I got the sense he was no. more offended by the idea that he was out there clubbing. Are you just a dating app guy now, Brady? Is that what you've turned to or? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, yes, I have. Oh, you like Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba's answer you know. when he was asked about Shane Waldron yesterday. <laughs> well, we could do we could do an entire segment on my dating life right now. Um, <laughs> let me let me switch subjects here and tell you this, uh, Brock and Mike. It just warms the cockles of my heart to know that you guys are now into war on drugs. I hear you playing it, yep. the bumper music. Uh, it's my favorite band. I got Mike talk on him, and it sounds like I heard Brock was vibing to him yesterday. He, he wanted he wanted Mike to stop talking so he could hear the intro music. So yep. just wanted to say that I love hearing that. There we go. All right, Brady. Good, good and really, stuff. I just wanted to change the subject from yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah, so how is your dating life? What's going on there? Is there anybody we need to meet? Like, Are you a where, Tinder guy? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, guy. the, the boat. I'm getting the boat phone is kind of cut out on. Yeah, this, so yeah, I that happens. It. Yeah, it's that 22 million dollars that you said isn't that much money. That's what happens when you live on a yacht in the middle of Lake Union. Thank you, Brady. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, guys. See you. There you go. There's Brady Anderson, the hitman, our friend at ESPN.com. And uh, I love that guy, man. I just really, really enjoy him. All right. Seriously, dude, he has gotten good.
He has. He's gotten so comfortable. Just more, you know, he obviously fills in a ton for me and does a great job on Fridays. And, geez, that is a lot of knowledge right there that just has left my mind spinning more and more. All right. Well, Shannon Dreher is going to join us at 930. We'll uh, jump back into some baseball talk with her. Brock, you sent Mora a text yesterday. Yes. Where, quite frankly, I I think she was done with you. By, Appropriate by the or end. inappropriate? Well, I think your text was, uh, well, you know what? We'll deal with it next. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710 salesports.com. <laughs>